0: All right, I got a few questions. Uh, Oh, gosh. All uh, right. Should I step out of the room?
1: You guys are like the yin and the yang of sports talk. (laughs) You know I'm a basketball guy. I love basketball season.
0: Everything is amazing. I'm on the owner's radar. It's never good. Not fun.
1: I'm a little surprised you agreed to do this, knowing that Paulie's part of the show. He's bound to do something every
2: show that just makes no sense (laughs) at all.
1: Buddy, open look at a three. Got it. For him. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Pauly Sebelia. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us. Stephen Fonte, Pauly Sebelia with you up until 3 o'clock. You've got us both for three hours today. 315-437-7644. A few guests lined up for you. Uh, momentarily, we will get to Tom Noy, Notre Dame basketball beat writer for the South Bend Tribune, as we preview Syracuse-Notre Dame tonight. Coming up at 1245, SU assistant coach Alan Griffin, and then at 115, Christian de Guzman, writer for Noon's Magician. Plus, we'll mix in your phone calls at any time. Uh, before we get to our first guest, Paulie, how are you? How How, how are things in South Bend today? It's a little chilly here, but other than that, we're we're doing good. All, all your guests are in South Bend, and you're sitting there all by yourself. Well, I'm not by myself. Jordan's in here too. He's keeping me company. So it's chilly here too, just so you know. So I, I'm sure you feel right at home. Um let's go to our guest line. Uh, we'll uh, we'll ex- exchange pleasantries later. Uh, I'll say this. yeah. Oh, I will
0: say South Bend has expanded so much. Like I've been doing this a long time. It's like a completely different town than when I first started working here. There was, there was legit nothing in this town and it's, it's like a metropolis now almost it's, it's, it's been fun to
1: watch it grow. <laughs> nice. So right, you're we'll get you so you're enjoying yourself in South Bend. Uh, yes. With that, let's yes. get to our first guest, uh, Tom Noy, uh, basketball beat writer for uh, Notre Dame basketball for the South Bend uh, Tribune. Tom, great to have you on. Thanks for joining us. How are things today in the in the fine metropolis that is South Bend, Indiana?
3: How can you not enjoy yourself in the booming metropolis that is <laughs> South Bend, Mishawaka, <laughs> Northern Indiana? Like seriously. And and Polly saying that it's cold. Just for the record. It was 58 the last two days, and all the snow melted. And then Syracuse comes into town last night, and all the snow comes back.
1: Coincidence? <laughs> I think not. I think it's, it's cold here, too, uh, as you can imagine here in Central New York. Uh, Tom, great to have you on. I, I guess let's start with uh, with the big news of the day. I saw some reports, and, and hopefully you have some a little more information. Uh, Nate Lashevsky, from what we understand, game-time decision, according to reports, with an illness. Uh, what can you tell us about this situation, if anything?
3: Still game-time decision. When Mike Bray met with us, media dopes yesterday for access uh, before practice, he mentioned that Nate is having a stomach virus. He was held out of practice on Tuesday, would would be reevaluated sometime today, keep him away from the rest of the guys so that doesn't spread. Don't want that thing going around the team right now with four games left in the regular season. So game-time decision, but this is a situation that Notre Dame's been through with Nate Leshefsky. He hurt his knee early in the North Carolina State game, I missed a couple of games, was a game-time decision. Uh, in the games that followed so they've been down this road if they don't have Nate Leshefsky and what he offers in terms of points and rebounds and, and going for eight and a half points seven rebounds a game they know how to compensate they know how to play without Nate they would love to have him in there but if he can't go just someone else gets gets this uh, opportunity for more minutes
1: I, I was going to ask that. How big of a deal is this? You alluded to it right there, but mm-hmm. uh, kind of next man up mentality. And you know, Syracuse is obviously dealing with a, an injury here with Jesse Edwards. He's out for the the rest of the season with a wrist injury. That's a big deal here because there is you know yeah. a drop off between Jesse Edwards and what they have behind him. Uh, not a big, not as big of a deal with uh, with Nate Lashevsky being out. If if he's not he really, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, not really. Although, the next man up, it's, it's kind of hard to say next man up in Mike Bray's rotation because he doesn't play a lot of men. Like, he doesn't have a lot of guys. He, he, plays, he plays with a seven-man rotation. When Lashevsky went down early in the North Carolina State game, they basically played with six. The next game they played, uh, it was two weeks ago tonight, they played at home against Louisville. And, and Mike Bray talked going into that game, yeah, we've got to get sophomore Matt Zoner ready. He's our second big. He's got to go. Let's go. Let's, it, it, it's time to get moving. He played two minutes against Louisville. So if they have to go to a rotation that only features six guys, it's something that Notre Dame has done. I think it's something Mike Bray, Bray pretty much prefers. Tight rotation, tight group of guys, and see what happens
1: from there. So, Tom, t- I got to ask you oh, a go, question. Go ahead, Paulie.
0: No i got to ask you a question. You say Notre Dame's got a tight rotation. There's nothing in Syracuse that drives the <laughs> fan base crazier than a tight rotation. How does your fan base at Notre Dame handle the fact that there isn't guys coming off the bench and playing multiple minutes for this team?
3: Well, you say it drives Syracuse fans crazy, then it drives Notre Dame fans somewhere beyond lunacy because they're absolute lunatics thinking uh, Mike Bray's got to play more guys. He's got to do this. He's got to do that. Look at this guy's tired or that guy's worn out. Just imagine if he can play. Look, people that think that way have no understanding, zero, none, maybe less than zero of what Mike Bray's all about and what he's always been about is give me a tight rotation of seven guys, maybe eight, and get those all seven of those guys thinking as one, non-stop while they're on the, court, on the court together, and you'll have results like we've seen this year from Notre Dame. Why did Notre Dame stink the last couple of years? Because they couldn't get a rotation of a solid group of, uh, of small guys, a small rotation that's, okay, it's, it's these seven guys and that's it. The seven guys in this rotation know that they're playing. The guys on the back end of the rotation know they're not playing, and it's up to them to get better and get their games better so that when the rotation maybe expands next year, one or two guys can join that. But when it comes to – you you fight losing battles all the time on social media when you cover a college basketball team. There is not a more losing battle when you cover Notre Dame than when somebody wants to talk about, why don't they play more than seven guys?
1: It, you know, Tom, you look at the way this season has developed, and, and Notre Dame got off to a, a slow start, 4-5 and five, uh, to start, and, and now here they are, 19-8. and eight. They're 12-4 in mm-hmm. conference play. They're an NCAA tournament team, it, it seems like, right now. Um, how, how surprised are you that, that things have gone as well as they have this year for, uh, for the Irish?
3: Stunning, because especially of how everything had went the previous three years with this core senior class of guys like Nate Lashevsky. Krenas Hub and Dane Goodwin, like it, that was that was a top that was considered a top fifteen recruiting class when they walked in the door. And Mike Bryce said, "I'm turning all my trust into these guys. Like they've got it for the next couple of years. I'm not recruiting over them. I'm not benching them. I'm not going to push them out the door and, and force them to go transfer elsewhere." I'm putting my full trust in this group, and let's see if they delivered. It was hard, really hard their freshman year when they went 3-15 and 15 in the league, a little bit better the last couple of years. But then, like you said, when they start 3-4, and four, they started 3-4 and four with three consecutive losses to A&M at Illinois. And when they go to Boston College, a team that's picked last in the league, Notre Dame never trails or never leads. They trail by as many as 23. And they lose by 16, and you're thinking, here we go again. Like there was, there was nothing in early December after that Boston College game that told you that we'll be sitting here with two weeks left in the regular season and Notre Dame would be in second place all alone in the ACC.
1: I've seen two entire Notre Dame games recently. I've you know I've seen them here and there throughout the season, but I watched the entire Boston College game, the most recent one, the overtime game, mm-hmm. and I watched the Duke game uh, start to finish. They score forty three points in the Duke game, and uh, you know they had it, they were in the teens at halftime, right, in that Duke game, uh, and then they score you know ninety nine in an overtime win against Boston College. Um, I- explain. Explain that. Was it just an off night against Duke? I mean, the fact that you know Duke is Duke, and they just didn't shoot the ball well. Or, I mean, you know, where, where is this team? I guess offensively is what is what I want to know going into this game tonight against a, a Syracuse team that has struggled defensively throughout the season.
3: Here's the Duke explanation. They had beaten Kentucky at home earlier in the year. They had beaten North Carolina at home earlier in the year. They had beaten Louisville when we didn't think Louisville was such a dumpster fire as it turned into. They had beaten Louisville at Yum Center earlier in the year. Two nights earlier, they had beaten Virginia for the first time at home as a member of the ACC. So they're thinking, okay, we've picked off all these other ones. Now it's time to pick off Duke at home. Although they walk out of the tunnel for pregame warmups for the first time in three years, there's a sellout crowd at Purcell Pavilion. Every seat is sold, 9,149 fans in the building, And Notre Dame just kind of just wet their pants and said, whoa, we're not used to this type of atmosphere. And whereas Duke comes into any building they play, home, away, neutral, they're playing in front of sellout crowds. They're playing in front of crowds that are really lathered up. They were able to handle that atmosphere. Notre Dame wasn't able to handle that atmosphere. So that's why they only score 43 points against Duke. They were not ready for that. And so offensively, They've gotten better since we go all the way back to that Boston College game where they only score 57 points, Mike Bray said. Offensively, we've got to simplify some things. Instead of going total freelance, like it was, it was mostly freelance, give the ball to Prentice Hub or Blake Wesley, and just kind of figure things out. They've gone to, to, to more of a structured offense, more ball screens, more motion, and that's really gotten this team going offensively. But what they, they've also been able to do well offensively because of what they've done defensively. Before that Boston College game, they had held seven straight ACC opponents to 65 points or fewer, and Notre Dame has never done that in the ACC. They had never done that in the Big East. Like, their calling card was offense, so they were able to hang their hat on defense, which kind of got them into more of a rhythm offensively and got them flowing. Then you get to the Boston College game where Boston College is just like, we're just going to take the ball out here in the front. We're going to go four flat, flatten out the defense, and we're just going to just... Take the ball off the dribble and make you stop us. And Notre Dame couldn't. Notre Dame had trouble doing that. Athletically, Boston College was better than Notre Dame, which is why the Irish wind up giving ninety-five points, giving up ninety-five points, but escaping in overtime.
1: Tom, you look at the ACC standings right now. Duke's leading the way. Uh, Notre Dame's right behind uh, in second. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think we all agree Duke's the best team in this conference. Who is those second-best team in this conference? Is it Notre Dame in your opinion? Is it somebody else?
3: I have to say it's, it's got to be Wake Forest because Wake Forest beat Notre Dame. You want to say, yeah, Notre Dame, they, they should be in second. They, sh- they should be ranked. They should do this. What they didn't do was what they had done all year long up to, until up, up to Saturday is they go to Miami and win. They go to NC State and win. They go to Louisville and win. They go to Clemson and win. They couldn't win at Wake Forest because of that slippage I talked about earlier defensively where they had been so good defensively earlier Wake Forest was able to get a lot of easy baskets. Their size kind of took over. Their athleticism took over, and Alondis Williams just said, I'm going to take a page out of Boston College and just crush these guys off the dribble and make them stop me. They couldn't do that. So if Notre Dame had beaten Wake Forest, I'd say clear cut. Notre Dame's number two team in the, in the ACC. Right now they have to be considered a, a notch below Wake Forest given that head-to-head matchup.
1: I do a, a post-game show with former SU star Eric Dievendorf uh, after every mm-hmm. game, and, and I asked him after the, the last Syracuse game – uh, you know, S.U.S. four games left, and I said rank them in, in terms of most difficult to least difficult. And keep in mind, Cuse plays Duke on Saturday. It, mm-hmm. He actually said the Notre Dame game, in his mind, was the most difficult one left for Syracuse, given that it was on the road, given that Notre Dame has as many shooters as, as they do going up against that 2-3. He doesn't think it's a great matchup for Syracuse. As you look at this matchup tonight, Tom, uh, how do you size it up from a from a Notre Dame perspective, and, and do you think this is a good matchup for the Irish?
3: Devo's got it all wrong. I love the guy. I love watching him play. I always remember him standing on the table for that six-overtime game in the Garden. But if I had to rank what Notre Dame had left for the rest of the season, home against Syracuse, home against Georgia Tech, at a really bad Florida State team, and then home to finish against Pittsburgh, I would say this game tonight is the toughest by far for the Irish, and it's not even close. Wow! Because Syracuse... It doesn't matter if they're in the ACC. It doesn't matter if they're in the Big East. It doesn't matter if Eric's playing or it's Jerry McNamara or now it's Joe Girard and the Bayheim brothers. Syracuse has had Notre Dame's number when they come to South Bend. Like we were talking yesterday before media availability, the, uh, us media dopes, and we're like, okay, which Bayheim brother is going for 30 tomorrow night? Because, <laughs> because Jimmy or Buddy, one of them is going for 30. It's just the way it is. When, when you play Syracuse, when you play that 2-3 zone, Syracuse, for all its faults, has a chance and has the ability to just go and get eight, put 80, 85, 90 points on the board. And for Notre Dame, that's difficult given where they are defensively. Like we said, there's been leakage the last couple of games. If there's leakage tonight, Buddy Bayheim's going for 32.
1: So with that being said, and you kind of alluded to it right there, but last question from me, Tom: uh, What does what this game come down to in in your opinion? Who who wins tonight and why?
3: When we t- I talk so much about what no, what Syracuse can do offensively, and that's that's a concern from Notre Dame. But still, you have two starters, you have two main guys in graduate student Paul Atkinson as a power forward and freshman guard Blake Wesley. This is their first chance to play against Syracuse 2-3 zone. And I don't care how much you rep against it in practice with the scout team. I don't care if film you watch. I don't care how many times you've seen it on television. Until you play against that, it's, it's different, and it's difficult, and it's hard. So it's going to be difficult for Paul Atkinson to try to find spaces to operate in that zone. It's going to, it's, Blake Wesley is going to have to understand as well as he's played and going for a career-high 24 against Wake Forest, and going off against Clemson, he's going to have to understand that if there's an open shot from three, take that because there's not going to be driving lanes as there are usual driving lanes. So the 2-3 zone, Notre Dame always has a tendency to be spooked, even its, even its own building against that zone. If they do that tonight, this is going to be a real challenge for the Irish.
1: And this is obviously an enormous game for Syracuse, still looking for that first quad one win and and a chance to to do that tonight on the road in South Bend. Paulie, before we let Tom go, uh, any, do do you want to chime in here at all? Uh, you know, asking for a restaurant recommendation, and anything anything you want to ask Tom before we let him go? No, I will tell him the the only restaurant that was here when I first started it this like twenty
0: one years ago was Buffalo Wild Wings, and it was right next to our hotel. There's many, there's multiple options.
1: Options, now. you got options this year. All right, excellent. options are good. Options are good. Uh Tom, this was a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on and uh and enjoy the game tonight and hopefully we'll uh, we'll talk again uh we'll talk again down the line.
3: You got it, fellas. Have a great day.
1: All right, there he is. Uh Tom Noy, uh, Notre Dame basketball writer for the South Bend Tribune. And with that, we'll open up the phone lines 315-437-7644. Time out here. We're back after this on ESPN Radio watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is Orange Nation. Stephen Pauly back with you here on a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation, game day edition of the show the Orange set to take on Notre Dame tonight out in South Bend. That is where our Pauly Sibillia is. It's been a been a couple of days, Paulie, since we've uh, we've chatted. Um I missed you guys. You just humble bragged coming out of the break on Q Sports Talk. I wasn't humble bragging. I was le- I was letting you know. I thought you would appreciate that we interviewed Ted Lange on uh, Bridge Street today from the Love Boat.
0: Isaac from the Love Boat. Who knew he was still alive? First of all, and second of all, what is he doing?
1: He's uh, he's directing a play at the Red House. Um, he still acts. He still directs. Um, he's uh, I think he said he's he's like seventy two, seventy three years old. And um, yeah, he's he's directing a play at the Red House. So Why do you, you get all the cool guests on Bridge Street, but we don't get Isaac from the Love Boat? I don't know. Maybe Jordan's got to work harder. I don't know. I'm not booking him. Jordan, I just, I, I, walk I want in. you to book. Uh, <laughs> I want Captain Steubing. <laughs> Who are these people? You, you tell me you've seen the Love Boat. It's you, you're at least familiar. Land. You're at least familiar with the show, right? Is
4: he related to Phil Land? Oh,
1: so you have no idea Gopher. what we're talking about? Then you actually have never seen the Love Boat.
4: Oh, you thought I was being serious? Oh, I
1: thought you were break. excited. No, no. Oh, okay. Did you
4: hear me during the break? Paul, I was going the Land. No way, dude. That's big time. I don't know who that is.
1: All right.
0: Yeah, you can't drop that guy's name. You got to say, "Hey, we interviewed character. Isaac on the Love
1: Boat." Okay. All right. Fair enough. You've never seen The Love Boat though, Jordan. The who? Dude, he's only in his 20s. I know, but Why that's, would he have seen it, The Love Boat? I understand, but th- isn't that, that that's an iconic show, right? You uh, you at least have to no, be... No, not really. No? I feel like you at least have to be <laughs> aware that it existed at one time. No, you got nothing. Jordan's googling over here. All right, enough of that. Oh, wait, that's cute. I, I think the
4: shape of a heart is around the words The Love Boat kind of.
1: All right. Wow. All I, right. I'm I'm sorry I brought it up. <laughs> I didn't bring it up. I would Poly put it, up. it in Fantasy Island. It's <laughs> is yeah, like that's fair. The
0: equivalent shows, just meh.
1: Right, but <clears throat> you at least I'm I'm saying like it's you at least have to be aware of it. Maybe not. I don't know. Like I never watched Mash, but I I'm aware of it. You've you've heard of Mash? Okay, Jordan's heard of da, Mash. Yes. Okay. That's right. an iconic show. Uh, okay, I wasn't saying Love Boat was award winning. I just meant like it's very popular. Everybody knows the Love Boat. Uh, apparently not um in any event it's been a few days Polly since you and I have chatted um why don't we just briefly start with your uh your assessment of Georgia Tech and then we'll uh we'll get into tonight uh
0: let's say that uh it was closer than it should have been Georgia Tech right definitely no doubt or, wouldn't you agree that they but you needed a win you got the win you take it you're happy and you run with it.
1: I love I, I seeing Barama do some good things and, and make be a difference maker in that game after everything he's been through. I thought that was a great storyline to come out of that game.
0: Yeah, and I, and I thought Jimmy was great in the first half, you know, and I don't know. It, it was, it. you needed to win, you got to win. And that's how you just got to look at every game. It doesn't matter if they win by two or 20. You just need wins and, you got to start collecting them, and they're going to get a hell of a lot harder starting tonight.
1: Yeah, so let's let's circle back to tonight now, and you know we heard off the top, uh, Nate Lashevsky game time decision. We got a little uh, background, a little detail in terms of what he's dealing with: uh, stomach virus, uh, may or may not play, has not practiced. Um, What do you think about tonight's matchup? I mean, what what does your gut tell you about this? And again, it's it's important for Syracuse, but this is also important for Notre Dame, and that's the thing about these last four games is that you're going up against four teams that have a lot to play for. So it's not like you're going to sneak up on them, or your desperation is going to be any more than than the teams you're playing against. Because you know, Carolina and Notre Dame and Miami, they're fighting for you know NCAA tournament first and foremost, the NCAA tournament bid, and then you know seed positioning and duke is duke they you know they want to get as high a seed as possible so everybody's got something to play for including syracuse what does your gut tell you about tonight
0: this game i i don't know i don't know what it feels like it it feels like either team could win blow the other team out if they're hitting shots and the other one's not but it also could be close because they seem identical to me they seem like the same team and syracuse doesn't have you know a player that can out-athlete Notre Dame this year, which is strange. They don't have a Hakeem Warwick, a Jeremy Grant, that they can feed down low and just take advantage of the athleticism. So they seem kind of like the same team, just one maybe a little bit better on defense, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and and I mean, the other thing, too, is um, Notre Dame's, both these teams have played in a lot of close games, Notre Dame's won a lot of close games. I mean, you, you look at, at the fact that they're 12-4 and four in conference play. Um, you know, a lot of them are tight. They could have very easily been swept by Boston College. They win that game in overtime by four. Um, you know, they beat Louisville by six. They beat Miami by four. They beat Virginia by four. They You know, just on down the list, they've had a lot of close games. Beat Georgia Tech at Georgia Tech by four. They beat North Carolina by five. Uh, beat Pittsburgh by one. Um. So, you know, we look back on SU season and we say, you know, man, what could have been if you know those, you know, those five or six one possession games. If you split those, you know, the the situation would be a lot different. Um. You know, Notre Dame has been on the right side of a lot of these close games, so I I do anticipate tonight's going to be close, Paulie. Um. You know, both these teams have played a lot of close games. I don't really see Syracuse blowing Notre Dame out, and and frankly, I don't really see Notre Dame blowing Syracuse out unless one of these teams gets scorching hot. But I do think we're in for a close game tonight.
0: Yeah, see, I don't feel that. I just feel like one team's going to dominate the other team, and I don't know which one it is. I just feel like one of the teams is going to be able to get the shots that they want. If Syracuse doesn't guard Notre Dame, they're going to get they're going to hit their shots, and that's what scares me about this this game.
1: Here's the thing in in regards to that, and and we talked a lot about defense coming out of that Georgia Tech game, because I I did think that they played pretty well defensively, uh, especially when they needed to. That last possession of regulation when they had to get a stop, they did. uh, The last possession of overtime where Georgia Tech had to flip. Right, I mean, Georgia Tech just missed a bunch of shots. But I, I thought defensively, Syracuse did some good things. I mean, they held Georgia Tech to 63 points. I know Georgia Tech's not great. Um, go go back to even the Virginia Tech game In that everybody was worried about the perimeter defense And giving up threes They only gave up eight made threes in that game Against Virginia Tech And that's Notre Dame's bread and butter Notre Dame's shooting better than 37% from three uh, I do think SU's defense Perimeter defense Has gotten a little better And not, not a lot better It's gotten a little better uh, As the season has evolved And I, I do think that they are better equipped now To handle this game than maybe they were about a month ago
0: yeah, I, I agree. I just, I don't know that it's enough. Like, like, even with the improvement they they've made, like the Virginia Tech game, yeah, they held them, but the guards were able to score still. You know, they they got their big man at the at the the free throw line. He just picked Syracuse apart. You know, um, I don't know. Uh, this matchup does not. You know, like I'm not looking at this one going. This is one Syracuse matches up well with. It's uh I feel like this is the type of team that could just shoot them right out, of, shoot the zone right out of the gym.
1: So I'm going to bring Jordan back in here for a second. Jordan, on a run. I was for Mister Optimistic. Well, hang on. So, yeah, yeah. I, hang uh, on. Hang on. Just going. Go ahead. What were we going to say, Jordan? Holy,
4: I'm I'm on you out right now. I'm going to call you out. I don't, know whether okay. you're, uh, I don't know whether your hotel room burger did something to your brain as well. But for the last week, we've been talking, and I'm sorry to expose you, but that's what we do here on the most transparent radio show in the nation. You've been telling me all week that Syracuse should be able to win this game because Notre Dame is like Syracuse kind of junior. Or not junior, but you've been saying that this it's matchup the could work.
0: What yeah, it could, mind? but I just... I, I I said that already. I, that's what I said. I, I wasn't just, listening. I don't like I don't like that the fact that Notre Dame can shoot the zone. You know, just pick the zone apart. Uh, I just have a bad feeling about that. Of all the teams they're playing. This one has the chance to go sideways fast out of all of them, besides Duke. So,
1: so, so Jordan gives us a problem, Polly. When we don't go by the rundown, and he says, "I give you a rundown every day for a reason. Stick by it." And so today, I stick by the rundown. It says twelve fifteen. Polly thinks Syracuse can beat Notre Dame. Here's why. So that's why I was setting you up for that. But you don't, you you don't think this is a good matchup for Syracuse. So that that's a plot twist. That's what I get for following our well, rundown. not Okay. Well, I assumed he had. I guess that was bad job by me. I assumed you two had chatted, and it says on the rundown, Paulie thinks no, SU can win. I haven't changed. No. Now okay. I'm
0: triggered. All right. Fair enough. So that was, that was great. I have not chatted with Jordan about the Notre Dame game uh, since probably Wednesday or Thursday of last All right. week.
1: All right. Jordan shaking his head. He disagrees. Uh, all right, let's let's uh, let's take a timeout here. 315-437-7644. Uh, timeout here. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Paulie Sebelia. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. Stephen Fonte, Pauly Sebelia with you for all three hours. 315-437-7644. You sound thrilled, Pauly.
0: Yeah, I'm thrilled. You know what I am thrilled for, Steve? Big news. Big, big news. Watch party for the Duke game. Eric Devendorf will be there. there. We're lockers at the home team pub in Liverpool. So... There'll be a watch party. If you can't make the game, you can head out to home team pub. Join Eric out there. It'll be a a, a good time for all. Excellent. Maybe Eric will jump up on the table. That's all, he, you know, for right.
1: table Is he? Uh, is he doing post game as well from the home team pub? Yes, he I'm is. There. Why don't you head out there too, and you can do it out there too. All right, we will. Uh, we or will discuss. discuss. We will discuss. <laughs> Short discussion. No, we will discuss off air. I'm actually, I'm, I'm anchoring at Channel Nine that night, so we'll, we'll, we'll see if we can make that happen. Um, okay. So that was the big announcement. So Devo uh, yeah. doing the uh, doing the uh, the watch and party. I've, I'm trying to throw a couple other former
0: players out there. Got to put a little pressure on them. Working your contacts. You know, back Yeah, uh, you know, I got to back the Brinks truck up to their house. So they can. Uh, Is this
1: what it looks like to have vast responsibilities?
0: Yes, it does. But we have a watch
1: party on location at Team pub in Liverpool. Boom. Is that what you were doing during the Griff interview? You were you were locking that up.
0: Yeah, getting things done, sending out a script for a commercial, and getting everybody paid and doing all the vast responsibilities on the
1: road. I bring yeah. my show on the road. I guess so. Never a second to rest. Um, <laughs> speaking of Devo, uh, from what I'm, I'm just going by the rundown. I've decided today we're going to follow the rundown uh, to the to the letter of the law, to the T. So our rundown says we've got some sound from Eric Devendorf. Uh, Jordan, do you have said sound available?
4: I have said sound, and I even edited the naughty words out of
1: it. There were naughty
4: words. Well, this is the Devo show, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 10 to 11 on Q Sports Talk. And because it's not on the radio, only on Q Sports Talk, that means they can say whatever, whenever. Unless it's me. What's the
1: over-under? Jordan did not actually beep out the degree I, w- I was just going to say something okay, along the same lines. that's not how
4: over-unders work. I was going to
1: say, how confident are you, Jordan, that you have, that you have deleted? Because <laughs> we've been in this position. Before. <laughs> we have. We have have your finger near the dump button. Oh, I'm you're scaring me. <laughs> well, now. you're scaring me. There were three of them, and I cut them out and I added. There were three of them. Okay. How,
4: can you guys stall for like a few more seconds and let? No, me- let's do no, no, it. No, 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 no. Oh. no we're gonna find. We're gonna oh. find out together. We're all gonna find out together. Can I intro the clip
0: too? Yes, so, please.
4: So this morning on the Devo show, uh, Eric and Chris got into the discussion of why does Coach Beheim leave certain players in. Buddy Beheim and Joe Girard after they make mistakes but other players get pulled and here's what Eric had to say and I really hope you can hear all of this in its entirety.
0: But when we get in a situation like we was last game, nobody making shots. We need buckets. I gotta keep my guys in. That's been doing it for me the whole year, bro. Regardless if they 0 for ten or 0 for fifty, whatever it is, bro. I have to put my trust in those guys, and that's what great coaches do. What, Joe, if you if you playing in the game and you have a great game, and then you miss a couple shots, he takes you out. And the next game, he, he keep taking. He's inconsistent. You you're not gonna trust my man. So you not so so right when you don't trust him, how, how can you go hard for him? You know what I'm saying? Like, coach, coach put his trust in these guys to, like, all right, I'm rocking with you regardless if you making mistakes or not because they earned it, bro.
1: Boom. Did my job. Sorry. Well done, Jordan. Well done. Uh, your thoughts, Paulie? Yeah, he's right. It's second
0: of all, m- missing shots isn't a mistake. Like, Buddy missing a shot, Joe missing a shot. If he takes a bad shot, then that's a different story. But missing shots isn't a mistake. Right. You know, and nobody off the bench is going to get you the points. Joe Girard, Buddy Bayheim,
1: Cole Swider, or even Jimmy can get you. Am I wrong in that? You're not wrong. And even the threat of having them out there. Like, Buddy, if he's not shooting the ball well, Still needs to be on the floor because he is the threat and he draws so much attention. Uh, now, does he have to play 40 minutes on a night where he's not shooting the ball well? No, and and that you know we saw that the other night against Georgia Tech. He was 0 for 7 in the first half. Coach sat him down for a little bit. Um, you know, but he's he's still going to play a majority of the minutes. And and yes, we are we are very much uh, on the same page with this, Paulie. Yeah, because him going 0 for 7, he's going to hit one or two.
0: You know, I mean, he ended up with 15. The, the, right. his, His replacement off the bench isn't, you know,
1: Samir's not going to get 15 for you or, you know, right? Right. Right. Now, with that being said, you know, there is a time and place for Samir, and we we both like, I don't want to speak for you, but we both like what he brings to the table. So, yeah, we're not suggesting that they both play 40 minutes every game regardless of what's happening. But, yes, there is a reason that they are the starters. There is a reason that they can work through uh, you know, a shooting slump or whatever the case may be, you, and you want your best five out there, and and Buddy and Joe are included in the best five. Simple as that, right, yes. Paulie?
0: it is that simple. You have you have the players that are going to help you win the game. You don't. Exp- it's not a lab. It's not a chemistry lab, right?
1: It's not exam. a chemistry lab, right?
0: Yes. Like I don't get why we're still having this argument or even discussing it still there's four games left in the regular season everybody knows what everybody is and if you still think that like it's going to just click for Benny at some point he's going to drop 40 or 10 he's going to drop six (laughs) you know this is a game that you know you hope that a guy like Benny could out athlete people and get a couple buckets so we'll see maybe tonight but we know what everybody
1: is. Stop! Stop! Yeah. Um, and, and there's a comment in the chat. You know, it says what? You know, why? Why does this keep coming up? And the, the 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 comment says uh, because we keep bringing it up. Uh, no, um, no, no. That that's fine. Um, but uh, you know, I do the post game show with Eric after every game, and we get at least one call every game, win or lose, at least one about People
0: yell about a game. certain
1: player and why he's not playing more um yeah people yell yell it at games people are like hey matt park yeah why aren't they playing benny yeah
0: hey, I, like screaming and, like, and matt's always like what? what are you not watching
1: the same games <laughs> yeah i i just i i don't get it like i just get it it's us bringing it up is silly i get the debate uh earlier in the season i do not get i i just don't understand it anymore um in any event let's go to the phone lines at 315-437-7644 uh, Scooter in Jamesville, uh, kicking us off here in hour number two. Hey, Scooter. Hey, guys. Oh, yeah, nice song, nice song. Hey, uh, uh,
2: Polly. Uh, I think Captain Steuben's uh, passed away, so we can't get him on the air. But we have our own Captain Steuben and Steve and Polly. I think you're a gopher, so you guys, you know, you guys are like the last of the Love Boat clan. I think from Ted Lang. I think everybody else is. He might not even be living anymore. I'm not sure the, the docs out there somewhere. He could be. The doctor could be. He's got to be like 90 years old. I remember from Cut uh, Cut Smart days playing the the the, the bad guy for Maxwell Smart. So he's got to be about 90. But a couple things. Uh, Mike Bray. He's got to be one of the luckiest coaches going because he's not at a basketball school. Because Paul, like you said. What happens in uh, March Madness, I guess, means more than the regular season. Now, I wonder how many football coaches at Notre Dame have come and gone because they can't win the big one. But, yep, yeah, they actually Bray's still there. I think he's only been to two final eights in his whole – how many years has he been there, 25, 26 years? And he's still coaching there. That's incredible. I don't think you can find another coach that's been somewhere for 26 years with actually his record and comes. Come post tournament time, and he's had some good teams. He especially in the Big East, he had some good. Teams. Yeah. So I'm just surprised. I mean, you know, here we go again. Your second, but like Steve says, I, it's 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 a funny second. Uh, in, a, in, a, in a in a league where it's not balanced, or are not playing home and home. Everybody, it'd be interesting if if somebody that's lower than somebody actually makes the tournament if you just don't go by the standings. <laughs> And I think Syracuse a couple times has done that. I mean, if you go back a couple years, Notre Dame comes and beats Syracuse without their star player, and they're left out of the tournament, and Syracuse is the last team in. So it doesn't mean that sometimes, you know, head-to-head means a lot sometimes. So this would be an interesting game. But I I think Syracuse should win this thing. It's, I think if it comes into the shooting, I think size-wise, I think we're just going to back them down like we always do. And we just hope they don't get super hot from outside. But I'll check out the rims the rims, because that that Duke game was incredible. I never seen rims that tight outside of Virginia. And that could mean a lot right there. But I think Syracuse can win this. That's, I can't see why not. I haven't heard you guys talk too much about the line, so I don't even know what the line is. can five. Cause you can't, Notre Dame is by it five? five. Yeah. Circuit's is getting five. Yeah, five points. Really, and the over under is
1: about what? probably what? what? One forty eight, one forty nine. Uh, that is, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> I will, I will find that for you and pass it along when we get it. But, uh, but yeah, I saw the line was five.
2: That's I, 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 Notre Dame. I mean, athletically, you really think they're the second best team in the league? Uh,
0: not athletically, no, but basketball yeah, players wise. Yeah,
1: uh, it's it's hard to say. That's why we we've asked the question a bunch of times. We've gotten like you know twenty five different answers because I, I'm not sure anybody knows who the second best team is in this conference.
2: I, I agree. I I said that in in December. I thought it was Duke, and then everybody's on the bubble. Uh, by the way, guys, Paula, you like you you like uh, uh, stuff that you know. Like I know you hit with Nicholson, and you talk about value. But I don't know if you remember in November. I said that. You know, a team under the radars, Arizona, of course, now they're a 1C, but I got them at 30-1. to So we'll see what happens comes, I, I comes like, postseason.
4: I, I like them a lot.
1: I like Arizona a lot. Um, yeah. I, I think that's that's really good. Uh, over am I, am I reading this right, Jordan? One, 145 and a half? I'm seeing one forty five and a half and a half as one, well. So 145
4: what? and You're half. are saying about like 75-70 Notre Dame.
0: Yeah, right. What I will confirm I've said to Jordan I wouldn't touch this game with a ten foot pole, but I would hammer the over. Yeah, I,
2: th- I think so. I, I I think this is going to be a high scoring game. But let's put it this way: the Duke the Duke Nor game should have been high scoring. In fact, if you listened to Schulman to start the game. He thought both games were going to be that game was going to be in the eighties, and they sat. Everything 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 is tempo, and when Syracuse kind of pushes the ball down court, maybe not fast break, but at least get the ball and get to their offense. They seem to score better. And I, I, I see this as a high-scoring game. And I just think size-wise, Syracuse is taller than Notre Dame, right? I mean, our guards can just back them down. way. We-
1: I mean, Buddy seems to get his shot against anybody. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's, it. it, it you know, and, and to that point about we're expecting a high-scoring game, I, I thought we'd see a relatively high-scoring game against Virginia Tech. You know, both teams were scoring a lot. Both teams were shooting the ball pretty well. And, and then we didn't get that. You know, neither team shot the ball great um, in, in that one. So, who knows? Um, but, but, I, you know, I, I do think this is a very winnable game for Syracuse. I'm with you, Scooter.
2: I, I agree, and, uh, and and Paul, you sound kind of somber today. I don't know that did you did you did you get up on the wrong side of the bed? Usually, your your perky game day.
0: No, I'm good. I'm good. I just I'm not as confident as everybody else is in this one. I think Notre Dame is the second best team in the league, and Syracuse is uh, not.
2: <laughs> okay, well, I think I think it's Duke and everybody else. So. We'll see what happens.
1: All right, Scooter. As always, appreciate you checking in. Uh, We do have to take a timeout. We've got Christian de Guzman, writer for Noon's Magician. He'll join us on the other side. We're back after this on ESPN Radio.